Did you miss me, scoffers? Oh, I'm back. I was away for a week. But here I am, bursting forth with episode five of Scott, the Melbourne Food Podcast. In and around your ear holes, oral pleasure dripping down. The latest and greatest in the Melbourne food scene. And this week I've got a special episode for you. I've been promising it for a while. The first in a series, Chef Spotlight. The first ever Chef Spotlight episode of Scoff. This week, one of my faves, one of the preeminent Melbourne restaurateurs, one of Australia's best and most respected chefs, Scott Pickett. We're looking behind the picket fence. Waits for applause of one of the most regarded and lauded restaurant groups in Melbourne. Every restaurant reviewed the pros, the cons, the story, the history. We're going deep. It's a deep dive this week on Scoff, looking at the Picket Empire. What have I been up to? Oh boy, has it been hot in Melbourne. Consecutive days hitting that 35 mark. Too warm for me. So I'm inside, scouring the wires, my ear to the ground. What's happening in the restaurant news? And as you know, if you live anywhere near where I live, the South Yarra vicinity, they're tearing up the roads. They're putting in some god-awful, useless train line. And it's playing havoc with the streets and traffic. But another development which is playing havoc with Paran Market is the long-delayed Paul Wilson project, Mr. Wilson and Co., etc., merchant and market and whatever, falling into the same traits and atypical, just horribly predictable naming ephemera, which is a scourge across our city. Check last week's rant for more details. The off-delayed Wilson and Merchant Market, I actually don't know what it's called. The Paul Wilson project at Paran Market is being delayed again. It's been well over a year while that that part of the market and commercial road has been shut down. Um, But it looks like come March, we'll have the first instalment of the tiered opening, a la the uh, Stokehouse opening. It's going to open in tiers and sections. The first part will be Mr. Wilson's Tuck Shop, serving coffee and takeaway salads and food and a bit of a healthy focus. And then the more sort of substantial element, Wilson and Market, focusing on market produce in May. We all know Paul Wilson from his time at the Botanical in South Yarra, from his time at Icebergs in Sydney, from his time at almost every restaurant ever, and almost every article ever written about the Melbourne food scene, which lists off his accomplishments. Uh, Very predictably written articles. Big names dropped everywhere. He hasn't done anything that good in a while, so looking forward to seeing what Paul comes up with there. Another head honcho in the Melbourne food scene, another big hitter, possibly the heaviest hitter if you're talking about just what the uh, read is at the end of the day on the Z read, the cash tills. We're talking about Chris Lucas, head of the imaginatively titled Lucas Group, has fired the opening salvo in a war. And make no mistake, scoffers, this is a war against the McConnell Group, his nearest rivals in the battle for dominance in Melbourne. Because you don't often open a three-tiered restaurant of the exact same cuisine, mere metres, 
mere centimeters, the exact opposite of Flinders Line. It's a small line. It's one line. We're talking directly opposite the McConnell Jewel. Super normal. He's Japanese restaurant. And Chris Lucas is opening a three-level Japanese restaurant across the road. Do Melburnians need this much Japanese goodness in one little square block? I do. It's going to be called Kitsume. It's going to be helmed by ex-sake executive chef Sean Pressland, as previously mentioned. Three levels with a wine bar, a sort of entry-level snacking level, an omakase-style fine dining level. It's going to be huge. And it represents one of the most aggressive plays I can remember in the Melbourne food scene. Directly opposite Supernormal. It's going to be chaos. The war has just begun, scoffers. What side are you on? The loud, boisterous, knees-up vibes of the Lucas Group. The elegant, classic, sexy vibes of the McConnell Group. Choose your side, scoffers. It's going to be brutal. Okay. Nestle back in your chair. Kick up your feet. Light up your pipe. Pour yourself a brandy. And let the Scott Pickett journey unfold. That's right. This week, Chef Spotlight, episode one, we're talking about Scott Pickett on Scott. So if you listen closely on a previous episode, we discussed the history and unfortunate legacy of celebrity restaurants in Melbourne. I highlighted the first instance, the original celebrity restaurant in Melbourne, as the ill-fated Paul Bocuse Melbourne on South Bank, part of the Daimaru experiment. And as we stated in that episode, that gave us Philippe Michel, but did you know it gave us another chef, one who would go on to become possibly one of, if not Melbourne's, most respected restaurateurs and chefs. That man's name is Scott Pickett. From Paul Bacuse, Scott moved on to another legendary restaurant, and I'm recently re-watching the original Anthony Bourdain Cook's Tour episodes, which he visits on Dean, which was the first prominent restaurant from Donovan Cook, who, of course, is the one of the legends of the scene and now is the one of the chef proprietors of the Atlantic Crown. And his then wife, Philippa Sibley, who is equally legendary and has helmed dozens and dozens of projects and restaurants and books in around Melbourne, currently seeing overseeing the pretty neat uh, sort of bistro Syracuse in the city. After a stint there, Scott went to London to prove his chops, to make his bones, as they say, and there's no more hardcore place in London to go than the square. The perennially two Michelin star temple run by legendary British chef Philip Howard, one of the most respected chefs in the world and one of the coolest dudes ever. If you ever watch a great British menu, he's a bit of a badass. Scotty proved his time there. He then got his first head chef stint at The Point. A, hedge, a restaurant which has had more incarnations than Lady Gaga at the Super Bowl. It's had more outfit changes, more chefs have seen their way through there, and it's had more stints and changed hands more than a, well, I won't go there. 
He certainly uh, left his mark on that place, taking it to two stars before the opportunity to open his original restaurant. And at the time, two hat level restaurant, Estelle in High Street and Northgate. The name which has become synonymous with Scott Pickett. He built Estelle up and built it up to the point where, in collaboration with former press club head chef Joe Grabach, opened St. Crispin in Collingwood in 2014. Then in the next year, 2015, evolved Estelle into the more entry-level neighbourhood bistro, Estelle Bistro, before the very exciting opening in 2016 of ESP, the very, shall we say, humbly named Estelle by Scott Pickett, next door in the space occupying uh, next door to Estelle Bistro. Late 2016, he opened the deli and rotisserie at the Queen Vic Market and has had numerous successes with um, writing his books. He's very, very good uh, Cook's journey, journey autobiographical cookbook. And shall we say, a less successful foray into television with the frankly garbage hot plate. The very, very shortly lived attempt to replicate the My Kitchen Rules slash Come Dine With Me formula on Channel 9, which was one of the biggest steaming bowls of garbage ever witnessed on television. And that's saying something in our current climate. When My Kitchen Rules is looked at as sort of a triumph of artistic merit, in contrast to your show, you know it's possibly the shittest show ever made. Let's not dwell on that. Let's talk about Estelle Bistro in Northcote. I had occasion to visit there recently. In fact, it was my partner and mine anniversary. It was a beautiful night. Um, so we had a sort of rose-tinted affair, very casual, the sort of place that if it was around your neighbourhood, the bistro up the street, you'd be bloody happy to visit there every month or so. Sort of a traditional a la carte menu, small plates, oyster charcuterie, that sort of vibe, hang back, share, have a glass of wine, very casual. If you want, you could probably blow quite a lot of money there. They've got some heavy-hitting wines and some nice cocktails. Main courses can creep up into that $40 area. But overall, relatively good value for money. Big, beautiful windows overlooking High Street North. Get a very underrated aesthetic street. Timber and brick, very stripped back, beautiful bar, professional service. Not outstanding, but definitely um, becoming of the space. A lovely courtyard out the back, which would be perfect for a soiree. Sort of hanging plants and fairy lights, beautifully lit. Um... As I said, uh, an eclectic and small and sort of sort of uh, curated menu, I would say. It's very eclectic. It sort of transcends Asian influences, which a lot of Scots restaurants do. But mainly, Estelle Bistro is a sort of casual place um, that you could see yourself having a wine in after work. You could see yourself having some steak and chips. You could see yourself having a dinner party. You could see yourself going all out and having five courses. It's a variable space. It's one to look at. And on the Scott Pickett messy hair scale, I'm going to give it three messy Scott Pickett hairs out of five. We then move on to Scott's second venture, St. Crispin. St. Crispin is a beautiful restaurant. Smith Street, Collingwood. A quite uh, creative and imaginative setup in that uh, the set menu courses are open to interpretation. You can choose two, three, five, or seven courses. The option of choosing the two courses, which I believe is a very reasonable $50 uh, for a two-hatted restaurant, um, gives you some some room to move. If you're a solo diner particularly, you can sit at the bar, have two courses for 50 bucks, um, and not feel like you've uh, overspent. In fact, you've had a pretty reasonable night. Probably the equivalent of going to see a movie at Village and a popcorn. You'd drop $50 on that. Might as well go to Scotty Pickett's and have a delicious couple of plates of food. 
As mentioned in the intro, Joe Grabac is no longer there. Unfortunately, the Express Club Heschef has moved on to, uh, we'll not say greener, but certainly different coloured pastures. Uh, Chris Hayden has jumped behind the pans now. Very modern Euro-Australian focus, unlike uh, the Estelle restaurants, not as sort of um, eclectic, a little bit more Euro-centric. Beautiful open kitchen, uh, very elegant space in lighter tones. Some lovely uh, private dining rooms upstairs. They used to have a, a cool bar up there called the Thomas Olive, which I don't believe still operates as a bar. Sort of place you've got to book out for a soiree. Um, but as with Estelle, light, beautiful street views. Um, if I was going through this list of Scott Pickett's restaurants and nominating one, which was my favourite, it would probably be St. Crisp. And now on Scott Chef Spotlight, Scott Pickett edition, we come to the big boy. The crown jewel of the empire, Estelle by Scott Pickett. Not to be confused with Estelle Bistro next door, where you can get steak and chips and a glass of red. Estelle by Scott Pickett, you're getting the full shebang. It's Scotty's big whack, an attempt at three hat glory. Is it there yet? Well, on a recent visit, I had a very memorable meal, very enjoyable, left feeling a degustation meal, not like I had engulfed my internal organs in butter and fat, actually felt relatively good, very light sort of finesse cooking. Is it at the level of an Attica or a Vudemonde or a Bray? Probably not. There's a number of factors for that. We'll get into it now. Estelle by Scott Pickett, High Street Northcote, degustation set menu. Modern, dark, gold, black, very elegant, nice space, big tables, all the accoutrements, everything you've come to expect from a theatre of cuisine. Superb service, friendly professional, adventurous, daring cooking, playful cooking, creative cooking. Where else at a three-hatted restaurant are you going to get a big fat slab of sweet bread flowing in a burnt onion sauce? Not many of them. Where else are you going to get raw, raw smoked wallaby? Actually, now that I say that, you probably get them at all of them. But what I'm trying to say is there's a, a more of a focus on the neglected cuts of meat, a bit more of an offal focus, a bit more of a creativity focus. Um, particularly memorable dish was whole ears of corn, uh, grown sort of small and sweet with the texture of asparagus, cooked and charred in their own husks and served at the table with a fermented truffle sauce. Very memorable. And a real focus on fruit. Uh, no chocolate, no heavy cakes um, in the dessert section. Lots of fresh berries, sort of plentiful um, fruit, and sort of, yeah, as I said, you leave this place after having a sort of engorging, all-encompassing experience, not feeling like you're about to pass a kidney stone. The space is ambient. It's dimly lit, um, moody, a bit like a modern gallery. Um, but it's expensive. It's undeniably expensive. ESP is a, sort of a, I think, between the four of us, we, we very nearly nudge that four-figure mark, um, which, let me tell you, isn't something I'm uh, a big fan of doing too often and don't do it too often, uh, especially considering we didn't drink too much that night. If we had it, it certainly would have blown out quite a bit. Um, additional menu items... Um, are offered on our nights and divine uh, share grade for marble level insane 
Japanese beef was on the menu, which uh, was amazing. Probably not worth $35 for the small portion we got, but um, in life you only get these experiences every so often. And ESP is one of those places. It's a it's a place you probably go once. Um, if you're really lucky and can afford it, you could go there regularly. But just like you know, your Atticas and your Butamons and your Brays, it's a special occasion place. One that um, is sort of at odds with the High Street Northcote aesthetic, I would say. Um, north of the river, a little bit hard to get to. Probably quite difficult to attract skilled staff as well. Are all factors you need to consider in why ESP is just a little bit off the sort of high echelons. The three hat level. Does it have the potential to get there? Yes. Very talented chefs in the kitchen. Scott himself um, and his brigade oversee a beautiful open kitchen with everything you could ever imagine in terms of equipment. Um, you know, all the tools are there. The talent's there. Um, will they be able to attract the regular foot traffic in that location to quantify the business continuing and flourishing in the future? I don't know. I'm not here to speculate on that. All I'm here to do is give it a messy Scott Pickett hair out of five. And I'm giving it four messy Scott Pickett hairs out of five. Um, in hindsight, probably not the best uh, ratio to use when discussing food. No one wants to hear about messy hair in their food. Um, but I've stuck with it now. And it's too late. Four out of five for ESP. But it is not Scott Pickett's most recent venture. In fact, his most recent venture is a bit of a departure from his fine dining background. It's the creatively titled Scott Pickett Deli and Rotisserie at the Queen Victoria Market in a beautiful corner space in the market. Um, something that's sorely been missed at the QV Market is a smart little joint to have a drink. And if you want, a delightful plate of French-style roasted chicken. Um, salads, pastries, coffees, takeaway sandwiches are on play all day, but the centerpiece of the Scott Pickett Deli and Rotisserie has to be the gorgeous, ornate, towering, imported French rotisserie in all its grandeur and splendor, spinning away slow-cooked cuts of meat, dripping deliciousness into your mouth. Uh, on various days, it might be pork, it might be lamb, it might have some vegetarian options, but the main event is the chicken. Probably something that Scott has in in uh, in common with his ex-workmate Philippe Michel is a love of rotisserie chicken and I have to say I love his rotisserie chicken as well you can get it in a roll covered in a in a jus redolent with um, deliciousness um, and I guess that is the point of difference at the Scott Pickett Deli is that it's a restaurant quality food at a very entry level price the, the aforementioned jus is you know it's a hardcore Michelin star level quality jus sort of cooked down in all its glory with the bones and the tarragon, the sticky sort of deliciousness you'd associate with a fine dining restaurant. But it's in a roll with some chook and it's $14 and it's grass. You can get a big plate of roast chicken salads for, you know, under 30 bucks. This is what we're talking about here. This is something that the Scott Pickett Empire was missing and now it's got it. I would recommend going to the Deli and Rotisserie and I would recommend doing it ASAP. You've got to do it. We're talking about some of the best chicken I've ever had. And let's be honest, if you're an Australian and you don't like rotisserie chicken, you should probably have to submit to some sort of Donald Trump-esque deportation because you don't belong here, unless you're a vegetarian. But then you can probably still appreciate the flavours of it. Maybe I shouldn't have said that. That's controversial, but that's what we do here on Scoff. And I hope you've enjoyed the first ever Chef Spotlight edition of Scoff. We turn that Scott Spotlight. Scotlight?
Did I say that? Did I mean to say that? You'll never know. You'll never know what came out of my mouth just then. Was it an accident? Was it planned? That's the question that hangs over this podcast every week. Thank you for listening. I'm not going to rant this week. I feel like I've subjected you to enough words. My little verbal essay on the merits of Scott Pickett. We'll be back next week with our standard format. I've got something very exciting planned for you all and one of the most egregious, red-faced, spittle-splattering rants you ever will encounter this side of a Gordon Ramsay reality TV series. Thanks for joining me on Scoff. Have a wonderful week. I'll see you next time.